Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me as usual is my good friend and co-host, Scott Emanway. Say hello, Scott. Hey, what is happening, y'all? The things that happen, apparently. Beignet. Beignet, yes. It's a New Orleans thing. It, it is. Just Google it. Google If you can spell it. Yeah. It's oddly really easy spelling. But... The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Dark Poutine podcast are solely those of the producer and do not necessarily represent those of Curious Cast its affiliate Global News, nor their parent company, Chorus Entertainment. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We're not experts on the topics we present, nor are we journalists, even though some people seem to think that we should be. Yeah, well, they're wrong. What's wrong with them? Lots. We're two ordinary Canadians chatting about crime and the dark side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double and an Nanaimo bar, it's time to scarf down some dark poutine. This is episode 78. Getting close to 80. It is. Which means getting close to 100. It, it is. So we're at 100. No. Oh. Close. Again, math. Math. Yeah. Uh, this case is a little more recent than the ones we typically cover, but it's no less compelling. Mm. It's a bit different than our usual fare as well. Yeah, like when, when you gave me a heads up, I was like, "What are you? is this a joke? No. Yeah. Like last week's story, this case involves a Canadian... And his name is Caleb Lawrence McGilvery. He got into some trouble in the U.S., but only after he was famous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if name doesn't ring a bell, Google it. Right. He was recently convicted of the murder of a New Jersey lawyer named Joseph Galfie Jr. Oh, okay. This murder is not what brought this guy to the public's attention first. No. No siree. A video starring Caleb went viral in February of 2013. You might know him better as Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. Yeah, and again, if none of that rings a bell, you you do a little Google, and suddenly you're like, oh, this guy. Yeah, it will ring a bell once we start to get into some of the audio. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, a warning, there's a lot of explicit language in this episode, and not a lot of it is us, so it's just a lot of the quotes that we will be using. We'll have nasty words. Fiddlesticks, Mike. Correct. That is so darn, uh, uh, yeah. You okay. Know, you know yeah. where I was going. No, I don't. Uh, nobody should. 
please don't listen to this episode around your kids unless you're okay with them hearing bad language. It is definitely not safe for work either. No. As well, we want to present this case as factually as we can using court documents and official reports. Opinions presented in regard to this case do not necessarily represent those of the producers of Dark Poutine. So we may hear some audio or read some things that are opinionated about this particular case. We're just quoting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We don't opinionate now. On this. Today. Yeah. (laughs) On February 1st, 2013, an equipment operator for Pacific Gas and Electric Company, PG&E, named Nelson Pereira was working with Rayshawn Neely, Kenneth Simon, and Nicholas Starkey on the northwest corner of the intersection at Marks and McKinley in Fresno, California. Hmm. And so they had their bucket truck there, they had the cones out and all that kind of stuff. They were all wearing orange safety vests. Taking their job serious. Exactly. The area had been cordoned off using all the safety regulations that the state required. Yep. Signs were giving motorists plenty of notice that work was being performed in the area and urged caution. They're doing a wonderful job. They're, there you they're go. upholding safety regulations. And these guys are trying to keep your gas and your electric on. So they're doing a good service for folks. Good on you guys. At around 2 p.m., Pereira was positioned a few meters behind the bucket truck when he noticed a black sedan enter the coned-off area, moving slowly between 5 and 10 miles an hour. Oh, bizarre. Pereira moved toward the front of the car, waving his hands, trying to get the driver's attention before a collision with the bucket truck and the other three workers who were preparing their equipment with their backs turned. Pereira tried to make eye contact with the driver, but the driver seemed to look right through him and kept his hands 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, coming forward still, and he was picking up speed, now going between 20 and 25 miles per hour. Okay. The driver was a large man, well over six feet, and ran about 290 pounds. So a monster of a guy. What a bizarre scene so far. The passenger was a slim, Caucasian man with a mass of long hair held back by a bandana. He stared straight straight ahead as well, his hands in his lap. And all this is taking place within seconds. So the amount of time it takes me to to say it, it's it's happened. Pereira yelled and was able to dodge being hit by the car by pushing off its front quarter panel. Oh, wow. Starkey and Simon heard Pereira yell and both got out of the way. Starkey was uninjured. Simon, however, was grazed by the car in the back and hips, which sent him flying for almost five meters to the side of the truck. Yikes. He landed painfully on his hands and knees. He sustained a chip vertebra, which caused him pain for months after. Yikes. The fourth workman... Rayshawn Neely was the worst off of all. Before the incident, before the incident, his attention had been drawn to his ringing cell phone, and he he didn't hear the others shout, and he didn't see the car bearing down on him. From court documents, he felt the impact and had a quick blackout. When he came to, he found himself essentially sitting on the hood of the car, as the front of the vehicle was underneath the bucket truck. His lower body was pinned underneath and his head was against the windshield. Oh, man. Yeah, so not good. Oh, that's a terrifying visual and thought. Pereira called 911 and ran up to help Neely. Of course, that's what you see your buddy get hit by a car. Yeah. 
Witnesses said the driver of the car, later identified as Jet Simmons McBride, opened the door and began to reef on Neely's shoulders in an attempt to remove him from the hood of the car. He kept pulling on Neely and telling him to repent for his sins, and Neely, screaming in pain, was telling him to get off him. Yeah, that, you, you don't touch somebody in that situation. You can provide comfort, yeah, well, but not reef on their shoulders. So this was the driver of the car that had hit him. McBride was screaming, I am God, I am Jesus, I was sent here to take all the N-words to heaven. Neely is African American. Yeah. He also shouts, I can save you. So I'm not going to say that other word because we don't say that here. Yeah. Holy bizarre. Yeah. Starkey, one of the workers, forced McBride back into his car and told him to stay right there until the cops arrived and not to move his car mm-hmm. for fear he'd injure Neely further. Oh, for sure. McBride, this large man, forced his way back out of the car, screaming more racial slurs. The passenger, Caleb Kai McGilvery, jumped out of the car wide-eyed and said, What a fucking wild ride. This is such a bizarre painting being picked, uh, drawn and unfolding in front of me. Like, Three bystanders, a man and two women, tried to pull McBride away from the injured Neely in the car before he could do more damage. McBride got one woman in a bear hug and began squeezing her so hard she could barely breathe. He was pounding her on the back and kissing her face saying, I am Jesus Christ. During this fracas between McBride and the bystanders, is when the witnesses saw passenger Caleb Kai McGilvery retrieve his backpack from the car, still with Neely pinned to the hood and screaming. Watching for a few moments, Kai reached into his backpack and extracted a hatchet from it. He removed the protective leather sleeve from the hatchet's head and watched nervously, hatchet in his hand at his side. McBride yelled, I will kill you all. And this is when Kai made his move bringing the hatchet down on the back McBride's head three times, splitting the man's skull open. Why do I not know any of this? Well, the backstory is not ever told. No. <laughs> so Kai is essentially braining the guy with who had been driving him with an axe at this point. Yeah. Police and rescue crews had yet to arrive. And, and, I mean, I can kind of get it. I mean, this guy's losing his marbles. And this all is happening within yeah. seconds. And he's seemingly wanting, when he's yelling, I'm going to kill you all. I mean, he's kind, you know. Yeah. He's kind of trying to, or is trying to prevent that from happening. Yes, exactly. This is what he later says. Yeah. Kai dropped the hatchet, but quickly came back and retrieved it. He then scurried away with a crowd following him. Feeling threatened by them as well, Kai waved the hatchet at them and took off again. The crowd followed at a safe distance as he went about 150 meters north on Marks. Kai dropped the hatchet and sat down, leaning against a fence, and a crowd kept an eye on him there. This is so bizarre. Others back at the scene tried to subdue McBride. He was screaming, I'll whip all your asses and I will fuck you all up. Oh, so he's not dead? No. This guy's got his head cleaved open and he's still screaming. I stub my toe when I need a timeout. <laughs> exactly, but this guy apparently was still on a rampage. Y- yes. As McBride tired from fighting with the crowd, he began ripping off his own clothes, saying he wanted to have sex. Okay, there's no way this man's not on something. I'm sure we'll, we'll, you'll 
tell the story, but yep. this is... Let's let it get there. This is bonkers. From court documents, quote, When law enforcement arrived, defendant was on the grass with Starkey holding him down. Defendant, this is McBride, was trying to push Starkey off so he could get up. The officers told McBride to freeze and may have had their tasers out. Another worker saw McBride push off the ground, throwing the officers back. While on his knees, McBride said, I am Sparta. Of course he did. He's pretty much everybody so far. The officers tackled him again, and at some point, while the police were there, a witness observed McBride pulling on his penis and yelling, Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. End quote. (laughs) What do I even say to that? So you can see why uh, we have put our disclaimer in. Yeah, I'm like, so, so far, he's... um, Hit somebody he's, with a car. And some pretty seriously. He's told everybody he's Jesus. He says he wants to kill all the black people. He wants to kill all the black people. He got uh, hatcheted into the noggin, mm-hmm. uh, ripped his clothes off, uh, lying on the ground, I'm sure bleeding. He's been kissing the lady on the neck and could, face. Yeah, yep, yeah. And, and now he's cranking it. Yeah, beating it like it people, owes him money. Asking people to fornicate with him. Sounds sounds like a rational fellow. Well, it sounds like his driveway doesn't go all the way to the street. No, no. Even after he was subdued and taken into custody by police, McBride continued to scream. He said, I did it. Get off me. I'll kill you all. Okay. From court documents, quote, When Neely was finally removed from between the vehicles, his foot was facing the wrong way. Neely suffered six broken bones in his right leg and foot. He needed surgery to have a steel rod inserted in his leg. He was in a wheelchair for about four months, then on crutches for another couple of months. As of the time he testified, he was still seeing a doctor on a regular basis. The steel rod had not been removed yet, as the bones had not healed. Holy jeez, poor guy. So police found a bag containing marijuana in McBride's car as well as California and Washington state driver's licenses, both in his name. Testing later showed it was only marijuana and there were no stronger substances that would have explained McBride's actions. Get the shit out of here. So, really? McBride had suffered a psychotic break brought on by an emergent psychiatric condition which may have been caused by his history of depression, major recent stressors in his life, and was exacerbated by the psychedelic component of the THC in the marijuana that he'd smoked. That is surreal. Wow, yeah. I was totally expecting like acid no. or bath salts yep. or something like Which that. Which is what they tested for, yeah. but there was nothing like that. Wow, so he, 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 he was, just had a, his brain went... His brain went haywire. I actually feel bad for him that yeah. his, his, his brain went... Like, well, I feel I feel bad for everybody in that situation, the the victims, yeah. but also him because yeah, like that's like I I don't think he probably started the day that way, and no, and it was later no. testified that well he's not like that. So oh wow oh yep. Investigators heard from witnesses what had gone on with McBride. Especially interesting to them were Caleb Kai McGilvery's actions. Many witnesses painted him a hero. Well, that's what I was thinking at first. Yeah, yeah. Kai was tracked down where he sat, taken to a police vehicle and questioned, his hatchet taken into evidence. Kai said he'd been hitchhiking and was picked up by McBride. 
The two had bought some weed and smoked it near a recycling depot. Sounds pretty. Uh, yeah, just go pretty, smoke a joint, normal for, hang out. For, yep, to some degree. Yeah. Quote: According to court documents, Kai's later testimony went like this. After they left the recycling center, McBride started talking about how, when he was thirty, he went to the Virgin Islands and raped a fourteen-year-old. Kai asked what he meant by rape, whether he held her down or it was statutory. McBride would not answer the question, despite Kai repeatedly asking. And Kai began to wonder where the defendant was taking him. Hmm. McBride said he had come to realize he was Jesus Christ and could get away with anything he wanted to. Kai could not say how fast the car was going because he was just sitting staring at the dashboard while trying to deal with the fact that McBride said he'd raped a girl. He looked up and saw a whole crew of construction people. So Kai is surprised by it too. Mm -hmm. There was no way he could have seen them. Most of the people jumped aside but one man got pinned underneath. McBride just sat there with a, quote, fucking evil grin on his face. There were workers in front of the car. McBride drove the car at all of them. He said, quote, watch this, and simultaneously drove into Neely, who is African-American. He pointed with his chin and said, this guy. Wow, I could, this would, if I was in Kai's shoes, yeah, this would be quite the, uh, bizarre thing to have like he must have been completely uh, just shocked just shocked and confused and yeah. uncomfortable and scared and you're high at the same time yeah which is not good it's not gonna help no kai said he hit mcbride good and hard three times on the back of the head when he saw the other's lives were being threatened thus the hero part yeah i get it kai did give a fake name to police uh and place of residence he said his name was edward carl nicodemus and that he was from Columbus, Missouri. He had no ID to verify who he was at the time. See, if I were to ever give a fake name, it would have to be something very simple because, like, I wouldn't be able to, like, if they remember, asked me, if they asked me to spell Nicodemus twice, it would be different each time. Yeah. So my, I would be, I'd be like, uh, Sam Shoe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam Shoe. Sam Shoe. <laughs> Sam Shoe. Sam Boat. Because I can, I can spell yeah. that. After questioning, Kai was released, and this is when Fox News reporter Jessa Breback for KMPH News in Fresno caught up with Kai. Here's Kai, still hyped up after the day's events, with Rebeck doing an excellent interview. I'm one of the heroes. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk to you? Do you mind? What do you oh. want to talk about? What happened today? Well, went straight out of Dogtown, skateboarding, surfing it up. Before I say anything else, I want to say no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Even if you make mistakes, you're lovable. And it doesn't matter your look, skills, or age, or size, or anything, you're worthwhile. No one could ever take that away from you. Now, this stuff right here, I was driving and I, well, I was in the passenger side of this fucker's car, and he comes over on there. He was over by the recycling center. He says, oh, when I was in the Virgin Islands, 30 years old on a business trip, I, 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 I fucked this 14-year-old. I was like, you what? He's like, I raped this 14-year-old. He starts crying and gives me a big hug. He's just like, fuck, 300-pound guy. I'm like, oh, shit. He must be fuckered, man. Like, what's he talking about? I didn't take him seriously at first. He comes driving down this way. He's like, you know what? I come to realize I'm Jesus Christ, and I can do anything I fucking want to. And watch this. Bam! And he smashed into this fucking guy right there, pinned him in between that fucking truck. 
And so I fucking, I hop out, I look over, the guy's pinned there. I mean, like, freight train riders know this. Like, if you get pinned between something, do not fucking move that shit, otherwise you bleed out. Like, motherfucker, I, I ran in, I grabbed the keys, he's fucking sitting there like nothing even happened. And like fucking like, man, if you started driving that car around again, man, there would have been a hell of a lot of bodies around here. Fucking, I hop on out, and so I grab the bag, I threw it over by that pole right there, and then fucking buddy gets out, and these two women are trying to help him. He runs up and he grabs one of them, man. Like a guy that big can snap a woman's neck like a pencil stick. So I fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. Yeah. Yeah, well... You know, I find him really endearing. And engaging, yes. In my head, I'm like, uh, this is, I want to hang out with Spicoli. Exactly. I do mention Spicoli oh, later, do, on, yeah. later on. Yeah, totally. I, all I, I can, do. like, I, I just, like, like what a, an interesting fella. And, like, I could just sit back and listen to him talk and tell stories. It would be a riot. Yeah. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, Kai, he doesn't like the word homeless. He calls himself home free. I, I love it. Yeah, so he's it. he's just been wandering around the United States and it turns out Canada just doing his thing. I mean, there, I really like up to this point, and I it might continue. I really like I'm digging the dude. Right. This is a, this is a guy who uh, is living. He's living. He's doing his thing. He did, however, smash a guy three times over the back of the head with a hatchet. Give, but given the, the situation, situation that yeah. we know yeah. and, and has been painted, for sure, like that's like, okay, like he doesn't know this guy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's going bonkers. I, I need to save people. In this next clip, Kai talks about what he did. He's cagey about who he is and where he's from, indicating he thought McBride was dead at this time. Mm. Well, good thing I was hitchhiking. Yeah, people say, don't hitchhike. Well, this is what happens. Was Yeah, well, at least I was here. So he did this on purpose? Dude, that guy was fucking cooked out, man. Like, he's beyond howling. Like, I don't even see any breath in him, you know what I'm saying? Can, can I get your name and where you're from, if you, if you don't mind? I'm Kai. Kai? Can I get spelling for you, Straight buddy? out of Dogtown, K-A-I. K-A-I, do you have a last name? <laughs> no, bro, I don't have anything. <laughs> where, where, where are you from originally? Are you from Fresno area? Sophia, West Virginia. How old are you? I can't call it. Okay. What, have you ever experienced anything like today? And what made you take the actions that you did? That woman was in danger. He just finished uh, what looked like at the time killing somebody. And if I hadn't have done that, he would have killed more people. So he's dead. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the question. Has anything like this ever happened to you before? Hopefully your answer is no. Well, next up, <laughs> Kai, Kai talks about having run into a situation like this before. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, amazing, right? You ever experienced anything like that, Kai? Well, this one time I was in an orchard and this fucking guy starts, starts beating on this woman who he calls his. So I walked on over and I started smashing him in the head. I can't, you, see all these, you see all these teeth marks right here for the camera? Yeah, I started smashing him in the head and in the teeth, busted out all his teeth. Motherfucking the sheriffs, not the policy enforcers, fucking show up and start like, uh, they're like, yeah, so what What happened? I mean, like, uh, just give me any old name and just give me old uh, fucking birthday, whatever. Just, yeah. So, so there you go. So this is not the first time he's had to come to somebody's aid. What an interesting cat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Rebeck finishes his interview with Kai, asking him what the police talked to him about that day. And what was next for him? That was a great question. Okay. Right? 
What happened today after after the? Did you, you're obviously free now, but were you arrested? What was the process? What did they do to you when they came out? Obviously, they found out that you did the right thing, but the time that from the accident until now, where have you been? What was well, you started you started following I like I, I cleaned his motherfucking head wide open with a hatchet. He stood up like he was pulled right up, right? And like fucking, I'm like I'm like, bro, if you're fucking Jesus Christ, I'll be the Antichrist, man. Like fuck that shit. And he starts following me off this way, so I figure I lure him right away from the crowd. So I'm running off this way. I, I got a, I got a hatchet in one hand, motherfucking um, this bag I'm carrying over with another hand. I start running off that way. And so uh, a, a couple of the people who was bystanders to it came over and told me to stop. And I was like, why stop? And he was like, the, the cops are already on their way. I was like, is he back up and doing anything? And somebody said that he was like masturbating in front of this school or fucking whatever this place is right here. Yeah. Did, were, were you questioned by police? Were you taken into custody? What happened? I mean, obviously. I was questioned. I was, I was put into the back of the uh, sheriff's wagon. Wasn't the policies that fucking pulled that over? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I got put in the back of the uh, sheriff's wagon. The sheriff was like, "What happened here?" Took down a statement. I told him everything I just told you, and fucking. Um, let me on out, said I couldn't grab all this stuff until uh, I, I, had, I had finished, like, they had finished with something, you know what I mean? And, like, brought me back on over here so I could be in front of this thing, like, this fucking car right here. This is fucking gnarly, man. Holy shit. It's like the biggest wave I've ever ridden in my life. What's next for you, Kai? Hopefully some surfing. I, if anybody's watching this somewhere else and they got a, a mini mile that they could lend a guy with a wetsuit, I'd love to test out Mavericks. Would you do it again? Club him in the head with a hatchet? You know, if I could go back in time, I'd go back over to where I was at that recycling center and he said that he had raped that chick over in the Virgin Islands, because it doesn't matter where you at. You can fucking just spend a bunch of money and do whatever the fuck you want, you know, that's not right. If I, if I could go back in time, I would have dabbed him up right there. No, you're not, I mean, you doesn't seem like you have any concern for yourself. You're all about, I mean, doing the right thing and, and not even worrying about Kai first. I don't have any family. Like, as far as, as far as anybody I grew up with is concerned, I'm already dead. So, whatever. What? He needs his own podcast. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting cat. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe it was the moment I detected like a hint of anger in there. No, I, yeah. Like he's got some anger. When he's talking about his past. Yeah. His name. Yeah. Like, yeah. There, there's, there's some, and, and policiers. Yeah. He, it sounds to me like he's, he's not had it easy. No, no. Uh, when the interview aired and was shown on YouTube, <laughs> it was almost everywhere Every, instantly. Yeah. His surfer dude look and Jeff Spicoli-esque demeanor, there yep. is a Jeff Spicoli, there it is. was endearing to many folks, including myself. Watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High for clarification on who Jeff Spicoli is. And again, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I watched with Terry Driver, the Abbotsford Killer. There you go. Internet comedians uh, like the Gregory Brothers even made a song using the interview audio from Kai called Smash, Smash, Smash. Uh, we'll link to it in our show notes. He became an instant meme, oh, essentially. absolutely. Everyone wanted more from Kai, and he became known as the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. Yeah. He even made an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, and he was given a check there to help him out. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll post to the link to the Jimmy Kimmel show. Was there it a fat well. check, man? I don't know. It didn't. It, it, they, he mentioned it later, but uh, it wasn't mentioned on the show. Gotcha. So this guy's real name is Caleb Lawrence McGilvery. 
He was born September 3rd, 1988 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I did not know that. No no fat waves to surf in Edmonton, Alberta. There are zero fat waves, Spicoli, as far as I know. Spicoli was not an Edmontonian. But you would believe that uh, uh, the guys from FUBAR might fit the Edmontonian thing. So he's oh, sort God, of yes. along that step. Okay, along. yeah, there's, a, there's an element of that. Yeah. Caleb, Kai McGilvery, would later testify at Jet McBride's trial. McBride was found not guilty of attempted murder, but guilty of assault with a deadly weapon. Okay. The jury later found him insane at the time of the offense, because he was. Yeah, it sounds like a legitimate case of... Uh, insanity. Insanity, yeah. yeah. According to a Vice article by Sophie St. Thomas, prior to his involvement in the events that brought him instant fame, quote... Kai left his Christian background to live on a Native American reservation where he earned the name Kai after a spirit walk. He says the one religion that has positively affected him is witchcraft, and he carries around a set of voodoo cards which he told me he had dedicated to Sophia, the goddess of wisdom. He'd spent the two years prior to getting in the car with the man who unknowingly changed his life Quote, living in sailboats, houseboats, going out surfing on islands, hopping in cars with people I didn't know, and traveling the country, jumping off cliffs into lakes, going to music festivals, playing music in parks, just random, spontaneous, awesome, all the time. End quote. You know, very much like our last episode, there is an element to this guy that I think we all that wish to be. You know, like just that free spirit, just true freedom. Yeah, true freedom, just out living, living the life that you want to live. Yep. Uh, seemingly stress free and just just enjoying life. So there's a there's a huge component that is endearing. In the article, Kai did mention, however, that he'd been in another fight in the weeks after the McBride incident. Oh, okay. He claimed he had to fight a, quote, 210-pound douche monkey who was harassing him about brushing his teeth in a bar washroom. Trouble seems to follow this guy around, but, Clear. I mean, yeah. So you got some guy with his hair all slicked back, he thinks he's the shit, and he sees some sort of disheveled guy brushing his teeth in the bar, and he's just going to be an asshole to him. Yep. I mean, yeah, once again, good, Kai. You know, defend your, stand up for yourself. It sounds like Kai does not tolerate a bully. No, no, yeah. no, that, totally. Good for him. The article ends with St. Thomas asking Kai, what do you see in your future? His answer, I'd like to sail across the world. I'd like to visit countries that need change. If I could free just one sugar plantation in Haiti, I would feel like I have done something for all the sugar and coffee that I have drank in my life. <laughs> Interesting. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how Kai's life would shape up. Before we get into it, let's take a break. Mmm, bing. Only three months later, Caleb Kai McGilvery would be a wanted man after 73-year-old lawyer named Joseph Galfi was found dead in his home at 46 Starlight Drive in Clark, New Jersey. Oh, shit. On May 13th, police were dispatched to Galfi's home to find him laying in a pool of blood. The man was wearing only socks and underwear. It was Galfi's co-workers who contacted police when he hadn't come to work that Monday. Hmm. The blood was mixed with a J-shaped urine stain that started on his chest and up beside his head. Another urine stain was found near Galfi's groin. Galfi had been bludgeoned to death. It's terrible. 
His neighbors told police that Galfi was single, gay, and mostly kept to himself. From the Union County Prosecutor's website, Galfi had been a partner in the Rahway-based law firm Kochansky, Baron and Galfi, PC, and was a military veteran who reached the rank of major while serving in the U.S. Army from 1965 to 1970. That's quite high up in yeah, the military. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a great citizen. In the hours after Galfi's murder, before the body was discovered, a man matching Caleb's description was seen in a local restaurant asking for water, and the proprietor chased him away. Well, yeah, I guess the chat, like, he's got a very distinct look. Yes, for sure. So how in the heck did this happen? We have to go back a couple of days. So we'll refer to Kai as Caleb from this point on. Okay. Because that's his real name. Yeah. On May 11, 2013, Caleb McGilvery was in Times Square on his way to Asbury Park to meet up with a friend when he crossed paths with Joseph Galfi Jr. Okay, Times Square. Cool. Galfi offered Caleb a place to stay and some food. Caleb accepted Galfi's offer, and the two hopped into Galfi's red PT Cruiser and drove back to New Jersey. Oh, man. I loved that car when it was built on it, a, when on, it launched. They're actually built on a neon frame. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. That night, the two shared drinks and some food at Galfi's home. Caleb stated that after the drinks, he felt woozy and wanted to go to sleep. Galfi asked Caleb to join him in the shower, but Caleb declined the offer and went into the guest bedroom where he fell asleep on the bed. When Caleb came to the next morning, he claimed to have a metallic taste in his mouth and, quote, cum on his face. Okay, all right. Caleb says he did not confront Galfi with his suspicions that he'd been drugged and raped. Caleb accepted a ride from Joseph Galfi to the Rahway train station. Galfi bought Caleb a train ticket and hugged him. Before they went their separate ways, the two traded phone numbers. Okay. When Caleb's Asbury Park meetup fell through, he called Galfi and asked him if he could crash at his place again. Galfi agreed and picked Caleb up in Long Beach, New Jersey. They drove back to Galfi's house around 7 o'clock that evening. So, okay, I mean... It's okay. weird that you would... I personally, I don't know if I would go back to a place where I felt I had been... Assaulted? Yeah. Assaulted. Yeah. And I'm not making a, a judgment of his intelligence or anything like that. I just am speaking well, what I would do. Yeah. Or, But I don't know, you know, yeah, it's like... Yeah, yeah. Maybe the guy's got good booze and good food, and you just need a There's, place to crash. There are so many um, different factors that play into it that it's tough to qualify what somebody would or wouldn't do. Yeah. But this is just all like I'm just trying to process everything yeah. that's happening right now because it's 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 interesting. Yeah, the two ate hamburgers together. Galfi drank wine while Caleb drank beer from a glass that had been poured by his host. Okay. After the food and drink, Caleb said he felt groggy, and his memory of the night ended right there. Well, I mean, alcohol can do that to itself, but yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah. Caleb stated that he awoke on the floor of the master bedroom with Mr. Galfi, clad only in socks and underwear, on top of him. According to Caleb, Mr. Galfi was trying to remove his pants, so Caleb's, he was trying to take off Caleb's pants. Okay. Being certain that he was being sexually assaulted this time, Caleb claimed he used as much physical force as was necessary to extricate himself from the assault. Caleb claims he could not remember much after that and left the house regaining full consciousness in a parking lot 
miles away from the scene. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. Caleb made his way to Rahway train station and traveled to southern New Jersey where he met a female fan from his Facebook postings. Okay. From an article on NJ.com, that's NewJersey.com, New yeah. yeah. Quote, officers found messages on Galfi's cell phone that led them to identify McGilvery as a suspect, mm-hmm. authorities said. They said McGilvery also put a post on Facebook referring to the assault. End quote. Eh, not, not the best move. Police also used video from various businesses timestamped to put the two men together. Oh, okay. The manhunt was on. At some point on this weekend, Caleb had cut his hair. As well, since his viral video, he'd gotten himself a strange facial tattoo. He left the state and headed into Pennsylvania. Regardless of all these differences, Caleb was still quite recognizable. He was picked up in Philadelphia just days later. He got a face tattoo? Yeah, he's got like a weird sort of... It looks like... I thought it was extra hair on his face, but it's a very... Like a... Is it a... Dark... No, you have to look at it. Interesting. Dark tattoo on the side of his... On one side of his face. Okay, I, I never knew. All right. From Global News, here's a report shared with them from CBS2 in New Jersey. Under heavy guard, a homeless man once hailed as a hero for stopping a deadly attack with a hatchet is now back in New Jersey for allegedly murdering prominent attorney Joseph Galfi. I asked him about the allegations. Was it self-defense? What do you think? Prosecutors say Caleb McGilvery, better known to his internet fans as Kai the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, killed Galfi inside his home in Clark, New Jersey, after meeting up with him in Times Square. Can you just tell us what happened? What happened that night, Kai? I've been advised by an attorney not to say anything to you guys. Okay, but can you just tell us what happened? I'd just like to say thank you to all the supporters. The 24-year-old who investigators say cut his hair to change his appearance was arrested in Philadelphia after someone recognized him from this interview. Smash, smash, smash! The prosecutor says right after Galfi's murder, McElvery posted on Facebook saying, quote, what would you do if you woke up with a groggy head in a stranger's house, realizing someone had drugged and raped you? What would you do? McElvery will make his first court appearance on Monday. In the meantime, he's being held here inside the Union County Jail. In Elizabeth, New Jersey, Christine Sloan, CBS2 News. So there you go. Now, as far as the facial tattoo goes, I want to clarify something. I'm not exactly sure what the timeline is uh, that he had gotten that, but he had it when he was arrested. Mm-hmm. He might have had it prior to uh, his interaction with Joseph Galfi. Yeah, yeah. And the timeline on his haircut is also something he and the prosecution contest. Oh, really? Yeah, so... He's saying he had it when he went back to Galfi's house. He didn't do it later. So, oh, okay. So they're trying to like their their uh, inference is that he was trying to disguise himself. It, okay, I right. Got you. But I think the prosecution came back with, um, "Well, you did it before because you knew what you were going to do going back the second time." Gotcha. There's a lot of gray area back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the only two people who know. What actually happened in Joseph Galfi's house are Joseph Galfi and Caleb. And Caleb yeah. But Joseph's not here to tell what happened. So yeah. it puts Caleb in quite a spot. Yep. Yeah. It would be more than five years before Caleb Kai McGilvery would go to trial for the murder of Joseph Galfi Jr. 
five years. Wow. So I would imagine he was uh, being held in jail that whole time? That is correct. During that time, Caleb's parents stood by him. His dad, Gil McGilvery, a 57-year-old aviation maintenance student at the time of Caleb's arrest, had intermittent contact with Caleb since he lost custody of him when the boy was eight years old. He said he last saw Caleb in December of 2010 when he came home to Hawkesbury, Ontario for Christmas with his three step-siblings. Oh, okay. Uh, When he was leaving, Caleb wasn't clear where he was off to, saying only that he'd been traveling around Canada busking. He made no reference to the U.S. at all. So it was a surprise when Gil saw Caleb on TV and on the internet everywhere. Oh, yeah, I guess. like Because there's no way you wouldn't see that. Right. If you have the internet or a television yes. at that time, you were seeing this. So, yeah, what a weird scenario yeah. that would be. Like, oh, that's my son. Yeah. So Gil emailed Caleb in February, uh, right after the event, after seeing his son, now calling himself Kai, in the viral video. Mm-hmm. Caleb wrote back, accusing his father of getting in touch with him to capitalize on his fame. I can, I get it. Yeah. Shirley Stromberg, Caleb's mother, now living in Alberta, told NJ.com, quote, you don't treat an innocent person the way he's been treated. I mean, whoever the person is, you don't treat them like that. He's been in jail for five years without trial. That is a long time. That is a long yeah. friggin' time. Yeah. And whether he did this or not... You He's are in due, jail for five years and already. And you are due to a quick... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. A speedy trial. Yeah, you are, you are entitled to a speedy trial, so five years of waiting is not speedy. No. Caleb's mother did admit that he'd struggled with behavioral issues throughout his childhood and into his teens, but mm-hmm. he'd never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. With the help of supporters, Caleb started a Facebook page called... Kai the Hitchhiker Legal Support page, and it's still there. Oh, okay. Caleb has shared numerous documents from the case and its investigation, some of which he and his legal team believe show exculpatory evidence that was not really allowed to be put before the jury, which oh. is interesting. Okay. There is a ton of interesting reading there on the site, as well as photos, more court documents and video, with audio of Caleb himself sounding much more lucid than in, in the interview he's so famous for. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it would be kind of neat to hear him in that. Uh, well, that you're oppo- going to. Uh, that opposing uh, uh, speak. Yeah, speech. well, you're going to hear him. Sweet. There are also links to a fundraiser.com page, and that's F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R.com page, where, as of this writing, $9,629 of a $15,000 goal have been raised for Caleb's defense fund. Mm-hmm. He also put out a video prior to his trial speaking about the length of his stay in prison without a trial and desire for supporters to reach out to the government of New Jersey and even the White House for help. Hmm. Here's some telephone audio of Caleb talking about his plight. I have edited some for brevity. Pleasure to speak with you again. First of all, I want you to know that your genuine and strong support is a huge help to me. Thank you. Now that the most important thing is taken care of, I have some serious news for you. I'll give you a brief recap of my situation. I'm innocent. I was drugged and assaulted by a disgusting sexual predator, and I lawfully defended myself. He was friends with the prosecutor and the judges and the police. Evidence of drugs and evidence of the rape 
were tampered with and destroyed by those friends of the rapist. I've written and filed motions to dismiss based on destruction of evidence, which I've been waiting to have seen by the court for over two and a half years. All have been locked up without trial for five years as of May 16, 2018. That said, now that we have a backstory, I want you to know that on January 1st, 2017, a new law was passed in New Jersey. This law states that if they fail to bring someone to trial within 18 months of being arrested, the charges can be dismissed. But here's the catch. I'm told it only applies to people arrested after January 2017. Do you know what that means? I'll tell you. It means that people arrested after January of 2017 have been going and will go to trial before me. Well, I'm stuck in legal limbo. It means that I'm being held indefinitely without trial. Here in America, the 14th Amendment states that all persons under the jurisdiction of the United States are entitled to equal protection under law. I know I've been getting mad hate from the Save the Rapist trolls and their cohorts from Pedophiles International about supposedly not having rights due to being born in Canada. That's false. And if they can hear me, they can fuck right off. You and me, on the other hand, we're good people. Good people gotta stick together. And that's why I'm asking for your help. I've been working like a bee to fight injustice, but I'm only a man. There's not enough people like you in this world. And I can swallow my pride and let you know that I truly need your help on this one. When Reuben Hurricane Carter and Damian Eccles needed justice, someone just like you and me stepped up to the plate. So please, comment to this post and let us know that we can count on you. You'll be glad you did. Thank you very much. Have a great day. The views in that audio, specifically about Mr. Galfi, uh, belong to Kai. But we did want to present them here so you could determine for yourself how you feel about them. What was cut out of the call was Caleb asking for help on a specific day for his supporters to call the White House and the New Jersey governor. So as that day has passed, we didn't feel it was relevant to this podcast. So there's a different bit of an individual that we're hearing there, right? Yeah, much more, uh, in some regards, professional. And measured in his yeah, speech. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can still hear the tone of his voice. His inflections are the same. And uh, you especially know, when he told more, people, yeah. people to go fuck, fuck right off. Yeah. Like, how Canadian is that? Damn Canadian. That's about the most Canadian. Other than sh- go shit in your hat, that's that's the uh, the nasty go shit in your hat. Yeah, you know, Those yeah. people can fuck right off. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I... I I'm just so captivated by this guy, and I, I'm trying not to pass judgment on guilt, innocence, any of that stuff, because it, it's... It's interesting, it's right? It's so interesting, because, you know, he mentions Damien Eccles and Hurricane Carter and stuff, and it's yeah. like, do I think that there would be a big conspiracy? Uh, no, but yet shit has happened in the past. Like, exactly. So, like, I'm just, I'm caught in the middle of how should I feel here. It's yeah. fascinating. As mentioned in that previous audio, when he finally went to trial, uh, Caleb alleged uh, that police had run the dishwasher at the crime scene and destroyed evidence of the drugs in, in the drinks and those kind of things, picked up the funnel that 
the apparent drug had been put into the drink with, and they didn't test the carpet for signs of sexual assault. Mm. They tested stuff on the bed. So uh, all the things, you know, he had said it happened on the floor. They tested the bed sheets instead. Yeah. yeah. There was lots of, there's lots of things. Like if you read through the documents on his Facebook page, it's really, really fascinating. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, here's the thing. The jury didn't side with Caleb Lawrence Kai McGilvery at the end of the four-week trial. After deliberating several hours, the jury found him guilty of the first-degree murder of Joseph Galfi Jr. Okay. So it was first degree first, they found him guilty yeah. of. Yeah. Huh. In a statement on the Union County Prosecutor's website, quote, A rapidly unfolding investigation by the Union County Homicide Task Force led by Prosecutor's Office Sergeant Johnny Ho and assisted by the Union County Sheriff's Office and Clark Police Department leveraged voluminous quantities of surveillance footage, digital cell phone data, and other forms of evidence to identify McGilvery as a suspect in the case. McGilvery was arrested in Philadelphia three days after the killing when a barista working at a coffee shop there recognized him and contacted police. Yeah. The investigation revealed that the victim and the defendant first met in New York City's Times Square about a day and a half before Galfi's death. McGilvery claimed self-defense at the trial, but Dr. Junaid Sheikh of the Division of the County Medical Examiner testified that the victim, who stood 5'5", five five, weighed 230 pounds, and had a stent in his chest due to a heart condition, sustained numerous blunt force injuries to the face, head, neck, chest and arms including three skull fractures four broken ribs and severe contusions abrasions and bleeding injuries that contradicted McGilvery's self-defense claim furthermore Peterson and Reyes highlighted a wide range of inconsistencies between the statement McGilvery gave to investigators shortly after his arrest and comments he made while testifying at trial and also noted that McGilvery cut his long hair and fled the state after the murder. And so there's that thing that they contest, yeah. the haircut. Yeah. Wow. Now 30 years old, Caleb was sentenced to 57 years behind bars prior to parole at eligibility. Hmm. He has to serve as much as 85% of that before any petition for parole is considered. From Oxygen.com, quote, I'm still innocent, and I'm still telling the truth, McGilvery wrote in a prepared statement that he delivered to the courts before he was sentenced. Despite the treachery of my former counsel, and despite the misconduct of the malicious prosecution, and despite the bias of the cronies on the bench, I will overturn your false confession and your worthless sentence. He added, this is nothing but a sham trial. You railroaded an innocent man. Shame on you. End quote. Yeah, there's definitely some anger that you talked about earlier on, mm -hmm. too. But, I mean, in some regard, if you are innocent, I... That's you're you're going to you be would, angry. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. how you would react. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to, to not pass judgment on anything because there's a victim involved. Yeah. And we don't know. We don't know we, we don't. the situation. We don't. There's a victim involved, and I'm sure family that's impacted by it. And then you've got Kai, uh, Caleb who, if innocent, this is horrific. Uh, horrific. And so it's just, this is a weird 
Yeah. And this is why I wanted to tell this story, because it's so fascinating from a a whole bunch of different aspects. It's not like a cut-and-dried case. Like, here's a psychopath who takes a girl into the wood, rapes her, and kills her. It isn't like that. It's it's like, what the heck happened here? And, uh, you know, the the court has determined... With some very interesting characters. Yes. Oh, the characters are fascinating. So Caleb as it was indicated, fired his uh, trial attorney, who he claims didn't defend him properly. And he hopes to acquire the services of Kathleen Zellner. And she's famous for season two of Making a Murderer. Yeah. Uh, to assi- And he wants her to assist with his appeals. She's famous for other cases as well. I don't want to minimize her her uh, her, uh, her she, prowess. She's pretty, she's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. Despite what you may think of Making of a Murderer season two, um, it was fascinating watching her yeah. and listening to how she goes. Like She's really, really uh, invested in what she does. Yeah, for sure. Here's another piece of audio from Caleb Kai McGilvery post-conviction promising to continue his fight to prove his innocence. My brave friends, I hope you know that I appreciate you showing your important and valued support during this challenging time. I am still innocent. I am still telling the truth. And we are still fighting injustice. Their false conviction will not stand. We will fight their lies in the courts. We will fight their lies in the media. We will fight their lies in the hearts and minds of people until the truth wins. And people will be safe from corrupt authorities who drug and rape them. People will be safe from corrupt authorities who cover up rape. People will be safe from corrupt authorities who use the courts in our great land as their own personal weapon to convict the innocent and clear the name of the guilty. I am appealing this verdict. I will win my appeal. This wrongful conviction will be overturned and we will be vindicated. So, you know, he's a really good speaker. Yeah. Like, he, he's eloquent. I agree, uh, A yeah. lot of inflection in yeah. his voice. Like, like life could have turned out very differently. Like, it's he's a very, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, I, I enjoy listening to him. I do, too. And it's so it's sad that this all has gone on. Yeah. You know, one man is dead, uh, Joseph Galfi Jr., um, you know, I don't, I don't I don't know anything about him other than just that brief bit that he was a well-respected lawyer and he was a major in the United States Armed Forces yep. between 65 and 70 and I mean probably that's Vietnam time right there yeah, so yeah. who knows so perhaps he was he yeah may have had to see and mm-hmm. endure yeah absolutely yeah so it's sad from all all aspects, yeah. uh, how it how it turned out. A, a lot of cases that we cover, a lot of everything is very cut and dry. Yeah, okay, everything is very clear: guilt and innocence, and you know, good or bad. And this one is just leaving me with a whole bunch of, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, which is it's kind of good in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I it makes for a fascinating story and a fascinating case. Uh, it's one that we'll definitely keep track of uh, yeah. because I want to see how his appeals go. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll hear from him. 
Uh, You know, he's a fellow Canadian uh, who's in a in a shitty situation. So who knows? Yeah, we might hear from him. This whole thing is just it's it's fascinating. Yep. It's fascinating and tragic. 100 percent agree. Yeah. What, what a great one to come back from CrimeCon to, right? This is a great episode, Mike. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I was planning something else, and I thought, yeah. This one just sort of jumped off the page at me when I was reading some stuff, and uh, I had planned to do this prior, but uh, the conviction just and sentencing just happened uh, last month. Okay. So yeah. this is very fresh in... in well, uh, and the interesting thing, and I, I don't know how our listeners are with it, but for me... I didn't know any of this. Uh, all I knew was the 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 viral video. Yeah, I had no idea of any of this follow up, and so it, it's quite fascinating. Well, yeah, just the fact that you know he goes from hero to wanted man in three months. Well, and that he's Canadian. I yeah, that he's Canadian. That. Yep. A... Yep. That was the big surprise for everybody. That. Uh... Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, is a Canadian. I absolutely thought Canadian surfer. Or, the, sorry, sorry. I mean, uh, American surfer. American surfer. Like California. Yeah. Wow. But nope. Huh. He's one of us, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, well. There you go. You, you get Martin Short or this guy. <laughs> right? This is what we have to give. Well, or us. Or uh, Yes, or us. So let's start with some Patreon patrons. Let's do that. Oh my gosh, it looks like there's a few of them. Uh-oh. There's some names that I'm going to have trouble with. Good. Uh-oh. So there there she is, Diana Helgeson. Not a difficult last name. Not a difficult one. But you she... challenged me. I might it may be Helgeson. Yeah, I mean you may we you we, may have I just, might have slaughtered you it. You may have screwed it completely up. Maybe there's like yeah. silent R's and stuff in there. But uh, we met her, her, and her significant other from at CrimeCon a couple of times. They came by the booth and were yep. just awesome. Very, they very were nice both, people. Her, her husband, I believe, was in the military and stuff. And what a what a great. And they are from Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, they they were super. I really enjoyed getting to talk and hang out with them. So if you get if you guys are listening. Thanks for coming by. You were really great. Stacy Menard from Lockport, New York. Oh, never heard of Lockport. Thanks, Stacy. Samantha Solvingno. Oh, these are ones we've done. Natalie Pickle what? from Ottawa, Ontario. And it's not spelled like pickle. It's spelled more like pickle. It's probably not Natalie Pickle. I probably just did exactly what she hates and called her pickle rather than pickle. But on a positive note, man, I love pickles. I do too. Some people hate them. This bread and butter, the sweet pickles are so amazing. It's controversial because people, some people loathe pickles. So, but Natalie, if your last name is Pickel, thank you. If your last name is Pickle, thank you. Also, thank you. Yes. Tyler Power from Calgary, Alberta. I, I was thinking Tyrone Power. Why do I? Oh, yeah, he was like a movie star, Tyrone Power. I don't know, but what a maybe great the, name. Yeah, maybe Tyler is Tyrone's brother. I, I don't wish, know. I wish I had a cool name like Power. I have no... I Yeah, think about my name, Mike Brown. Like, how boring can you get? It's like John Smith. It's just like the next least interesting name. Max I have, Power. I, I don't have the ultimate boring name. John Smith, I have the, the penultimate. Yeah. The next to the ultimate. <laughs> Mike Brown. Boring. Well, this is interesting. Oh, okay. So Chrissy Teal from Port Coquitlam. Oh, 
Oh. Poco. Poco. Poco in, in the, the hizzy. It's very near us. And then we have Kelly Moorhead from Prince George, British Columbia, PG in the hizzy. Oh, getting some BC in the house. Stinky PG. Drive by there and the <laughs> all you can smell is the is the uh yeah, the sawmill. I love that smell. My dad worked on a lumber mill his whole life, so I like I love the smell of uh wood. And so here we have Christine Hazel or Hazel. It looks like Hazel though. I don't And know. we met her at CrimeCon and she is from Surrey. Oh, that is right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. She got... is a fine individual, and we hung out a bit. Yep, she went to the meet and greet. Yeah. Uh, we she, we spent some time chatting at the booth, and then she came to the meet and greet, her and her yeah. friend, and we hung out for a while and chatted, and what an awesome, awesome person. She you know, she told me some, some details about her life and stuff, and I can say that what an amazing and strong individual. Well, we're going to see her next year in Orlando for sure. We'll be in local too. We'll probably see her at a meet and greet or two. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy because they didn't, she, they hadn't, her and her friend hadn't listened to the podcast. They were Which, just, you know, whatever. They just saw, well, there's a lot of things to listen Lots to. Lots of people have not listened yeah. to Yeah, and so, but she, like the name pulled them over to the booth and they're like, oh, Canadian? And we're like, yeah. Where are you from? And we're like, oh, sorry. Yeah, and, and they're like, oh, we're in Vancouver, Richmond and stuff. And it was, so it was really, it was crazy. It was neat how that worked out. Uh, Grace Van Zant, oh. and we don't know where Grace is from. But is she perhaps Gus Van Zant's daughter? Or uh, the UFC fighter Paige Van Zant's... Sister? Sister. Oh, so she beat us up. Oh, man. Or she could be uh, also the guitar player or the lead singer for... Uh, the lead singer for Leonard Skinner was a Van Zant. Oh, really? As well. So wow. hopefully, she could be one of many famous people. She could be. Let us know. Let us know, Let Grace. us know, Van Zant. But I think Grace, being like Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, I think yeah. you're probably on the money there. She's probably Paige's sister. Oh, man, if if so. And if so, yeah, we saw Paige fight in Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. 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 Great, and, uh, great fight. Yeah, I'd, I'd let her kick me in the face a couple of times just to say, hey, Paige Van Zandt, knock me out. Yeah, I got I got, I got, got <laughs> knocked out by a famous UFC fighter. Yeah, by a little tiny girl who, yeah. could, who can kick, oh, kick my butt my. all over the place. Strong as shit. Yep, and yeah. at, like... Acrobatic too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was a head kick KO that she got in there. <laughs> yep. Heather Hartford from Weymouth, Massachusetts. Oh hey Heather. Thank you. Massachusetts. Aaron Otto from Thurmond, Maryland. From where? Thurmond, Maryland. Thurmond. Yeah. Almost like the wonderful instrument theremin. But we did get our our Maryland. Uh, flag hats, our yes, toques. and that was so cool. They are very warm. Too warm to be worn now. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Jeff Gratton from Miramichi, New Brunswick. I love that name. I love the Miramichi. Yeah. Uh, we just don't love uh, Alan Legere. No, no, good God, no. no. No, and I'm sure nobody in Miramichi, other than Alan Legere's family, really cares about him too much either. Who knows? Maybe they don't either. Yeah. And finally, Mary Clark Navarro from Germantown, Tennessee. Now, any relation to Dave Navarro. Who Dave I, Navarro. Who I got some great photos of. Oh, yeah. With James yeah. Addiction. That's right. You took you took pictures of Mr. Dave Navarro. Yeah. I like his, his tattoos. Yeah. And uh, he is also uh, a person who who uh, refrains from the drink and the drugs, much yes. like myself. He does now, yeah. He does now. Oh, yes. As, 
as a lot of us have. Yeah, as a, as a we, rock star, I can imagine how difficult that would see, be. See, the problem was I wasn't a rock star. <laughs> Yet. And Monet Terrio sent us some more donut money. Wow. Monet, you're fantastic, what? I gotta say. Wow. Like, w- you keep sending us money, like, okay, we're good with that. Oh, yeah. And thank you. Oh, these... People are amazing. So we can eat some donuts. We did eat beignet. beignet and, kind uh, of a donut. Kind of a kind donut. Kind of a donut. Yep. And I would like more of them. Uh, we are going to go back. I want to go back there uh, for sure. It was one of the most incredible places. New Orleans has the most unique culture of anywhere I have been, which isn't a lot of places. But yeah. I found that culture to be just so amazing, so wonderful, kind. People were warm and friendly oh. and, and welcoming. It, you know, that... that myth about southern hospitality is not a myth at all no new orleans folks uh we met woody overton there oh just our uber drivers were incredible people that you stop on the street were wonderful and incredible like it was just i didn't have a negative uh, experience or interaction there yep aside from with mike of course well because i'm a horrible person mike so thanks so much to our patrons past and present for your pledges. We really appreciate your support of the show. If you want to help support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine. Or for one-time support, you can send us donut money via PayPal at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already, it means a lot to us. If you subscribe to the show, you can easily find us on iTunes, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Check out our website, darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. We'll have a bunch of those there this week. Uh, Give us a follow or a like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Dark Poutine. Most importantly, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And word of mouth is a powerful thing. If you want to leave us a voicemail, feel free. The phone number for the show can be found on darkpoutine.com's contact page. You might hear it on a future show. Just yes. tell us to go shit in our hat or something. Oh, yeah. We love them. Before we close, we want to play a promo for a show by one of the fine people that we met in, at CrimeCon, and his name is Woody Overton, and he is the host of Real Life, Real Crime, and he has the whitest teeth that you ever want to know. Just for that alone, listen. He's actually a, a former Louisiana state police officer, so... He is a guy who knows crime. Yeah, he's seen stuff. There you go. Yeah. So, here is real life, real crime. I'm Woody Overton, host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Join me each week to hear true and unscripted stories of the cases I actually worked during my career as a major crime investigator in South Louisiana. Go to realliferealcrime.com where you can listen to each week's episodes and find links to our social media. I appreciate y'all. Don't let me catch you down on the bike. There's Woody and his folks. Until next week, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Chowder. Chowder.